The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. And we're doing this live. It's the Romanov podcast. It's number three, the top three, the elite three, whatever you want to call it. We're doing it live. There will be no cutting. There will be no uh, extras on. We're just going to record and we, it's going to hit the deck more or less a minute after we've finished this recording. Um, Matt, you're back. And, and obviously, because it's Defenders, it's, it's your turn to take the charge, really. What did you like with, with Romanov getting into to NHL this season? Uh, I got to say, like, for me, number one was just watching the physicality that he brings. Like, I wasn't sure a guy coming out of the KHL, to be honest, like, I don't watch as much KHL as someone like yourself, but I, I watch enough that I, th- I was worried about, you know, what's he going to be able to do at the, at the NHL level? And he, his physicality is off the charts. And the, it's not just the fact that he gets physical, it's the way that he hits, right? He drives low with his shoulder, elbow always tucked in, like he after his hockey career is over, should probably teach a class to young hockey players on how to hit because he hits beautifully. It's always clean. It's always elbow tucked in. Uh, I love it. And he hits hard. He's bullying the men of the NHL already. uh, And he's still young in his career. So I think as long as he can smooth out some of those other areas of his game, which is understandable considering that he's coming from the big ice down to the small ice, he's going to be a force out there because at his current age, he's already bullying people around and he's, and he's throwing these beautiful hits all over the ice and he's, and he's doing it without putting himself out of the position uh, most of the time. I mean, that's, that's incredibly valuable from a defenseman. And I think uh, we started seeing it a little bit last year that that offense is starting to come as well. So, uh, you know, really encouraging debut from him. And I think he's going to build on that this year. Uh, We saw the hits already in KHL and and they were devastating. And it's not only the, 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 Defensive hits, if you want to call them that. It's also the offensive hit. He can he can turn a hit as well. And and so he has all that power. And and I've compared it before to to Niklas Jalmars, uh, to Niklas Kronwall. And and uh, I think it's a good comparison, but I think also that he might hit cleaner than Kronwall. Kronwall was a little bit bigger, but he was always always or almost always, at least at the end of his career, uh, hitting with the elbow up or, or continuing with the elbow. Romanov has that elbow tucked in, as you as you point out, very very well, and and it's tough to argue with any of his hits being dirty. Yeah, I mean, I I'm thinking back to last year. He played in what uh, I think he played in 54 games, and then he he didn't get in that much in the playoffs, but he got into four games in the playoffs, and not once can I think of a hit where it was like, well, you know, it's a little bit questionable. Like you said, that elbow is always tucked in, um, and. And I think Cronwall is a pretty good comparison in terms of the the ferocity with which he can hit, like the the amount of force that he's able to generate with a small uh, run up. He doesn't like charge at people, similar to Cronwall, but he the difference being is keeping that elbow down, not throwing his hands up towards the head of the player that he's hitting. 
And Cronwall, the I think the other difference, Cronwall would always do it at the offensive blue line a lot. Guys who were trying to come out of their mm-hmm. zone, Cronwall would smoke them there. Romanov, what I really like about his game is when he's in transition, he's coming back into his own zone. He meets a lot of guys right at the blue line. He doesn't allow easy entry into his zone. If you're trying to carry the puck into the Habs zone on Romanov's side, uh, look out because if you're coming at his end of the blue line, he's going to try to meet you there and he's going to put a hurt on you. And again, he's, he's doing it super clean. So there's no, there's no reason for repercussions. He doesn't have to fight anybody over it. He's not hurting people. He's just sitting them down and taking them out of the play. And, you know, I, I really love that being that, you know, I was a defenseman when I played and I used to always try to do that. I used to try to meet people at the blue line. I wish if I could do it half as well as Romanov, maybe I would have gotten farther in my hockey career. Yeah, and, and you you bring out meeting at the at the defensive blue line, blue line and and stepping up, but but one of the problems really this year has been that he hasn't really had a consistent partner on the blue line. He has been tossed mm-hmm. around. Uh, you have to wonder a little bit what the plan is. Uh, obviously, you had to take injuries into this discussion, and we don't know how. Uh, obviously, Weber played very very well. Uh, even in preseason and for, for a lot of time on ice. But but you have to wonder, was that part of the reason that they tossed him out? Can you see someone special in the lineup to, to or, or on the roster that he will work very well with uh, going into this season? You know, it's I, I think it's going to be really determined at camp who he ends up playing with. A lot of people are projecting like maybe... Uh, maybe even Jeff Petrie. I think the going theory is that they're going to have Joel Edmondson playing with Jeff Petrie, but I'd like to see Romanov with Petrie, honestly. I think that'd be an interesting pairing. I think it gives Romanov somebody with uh, a little bit more puck moving ability. Um, and Romanov is is a pretty good puck mover in his own right, but giving him somebody that's like a real stud in terms of puck movement uh, would be a great idea. Um, outside of that, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, I'd really like it to be Jeff Petrie. I think there's also an outside chance so they might try to put him with David Savard. Uh, I, I think what they need to do is give him one of those guys. And like you said, avoid that lack of consistency from last season, give him somebody and make it consistent. Let them play together, let them develop, you know, a chemistry between them and, and learn each other's mannerisms, learn each other's, you know, preferences uh, and, and, and improve that way. Because I think that's what he needs more than anything right now is a little bit more continuity. And that would give him a little bit more consistency in his own play, knowing exactly what he's getting on the other side. If you look at it from, from that angle, as you mentioned, that there are two things in, in, in this, that in somewhat what I bring up in, in my article about Romanov here um, today. And, and it's the fact that if he goes with Petrie, will he become the stay-at-home defender that he was in Seska, or if he goes with Savard, uh, Savard, will he become that offensive dynamo that he was at the World Juniors? Because I think, for, for personally, I'm not sure he can be that offensive dynamo. He was that in World Juniors, but he was also head and shoulders above more or less every other defender in both those World Juniors. They gave the Best Defender Award to Sandin, obviously because there is a Toronto bias in 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 um, International Hockey Federation and the media that that covered it, but it, in both tournaments, I think that that actually uh, the best defender was Romanov, and I'm not saying that because I'm part of of, of the Montreal fan base or that I've hyped Romanov since his first KHL game, but but literally, 
do, do Montreal know what they want to do with, with Romanov, the way they handled him last year? Well, that's part of the issue is I, I don't think they do, or they didn't at least last year. I think if anything, this year should be a little bit more clear. I would argue that maybe the better thing to do is to try and bring out that offense. Cause I really like his shot from the point. Uh, he doesn't take uh, a really big windup. He seems to get really good velocity with a short windup. He keeps it low. Uh, we, we, we saw it in the playoffs, right? Uh, when he finally got in in the playoffs, we got to see what he can do shooting a little bit. You know, he, he was only in there for four games, but he, he managed to score a goal out of those four games. And he managed I to destroy would like to see him as well. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly think, that they're better off with him trying that offensive role, but again, make it consistent, give him a partner and then leave him with that partner for the rest of the season. So if you don't want him to be in that defensive role and the Petrie thing is uh, that I mentioned before is out. So at that point, what you'd want to do is maybe put him with David Savard or uh, maybe even Ben Chirot and move Romanov onto the right side and, uh, and give him that off that offhand shot that he's able to take uh, for, for one timers, but make it consistent is the thing. That's the only thing I would preach towards the Habs coaching staff is just please, please give him a partner that he can, you know, develop his game around and decide exactly what am I going to do every night? Because getting some consistency out of him is going to let him, you know, like you mentioned, he had the world juniors where he was very offensively and uh, he had KHL where he was a lot more defensively oriented, give him consistency. And he's going to be able to, to play to what it is that you're giving him on the other side. And also, he, he needs consistency in, in ice time as well. You cannot mm-hmm. sort of skip him up and down the lineup. You cannot have him on the bench or, or move him up to the, to the press box. You need to play him. These are young guys that need to play. And, and in some ways, you got 82 games. He's going to have good games. He's going to have bad games. But, but just let him play because he's going to be, become better from it, especially with, with the heritage that he comes from. I mean, like... He is Russian hockey royalty for, for, for God's sake. And, and I think it is, it is something that, you know, we need to take a little bit of, of, of an understanding to. He calls his grandfather, and I'm not going to pronounce that name because it's terrible and I'm going to not even make it halfway through, <laughs> uh, uh, who, who is a former uh, KHL coach and has won the Gagarin twice. It's one of the few coaches that has done that. And, and he's not even coached Seska. Uh, second, Uh, his father was also uh, a hockey player, just, just like his granddad, and and have participated in Olympic Games and, and Canada Cups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I don't sure that both of them has participated in Canada Cups, but but both of them have played for the national team in 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 uh, uh, for Soviet, and and he has that with him. If this was a Canadian guy, they wouldn't have. I mean, sorry, this is how it feels as a European. If this was a Canadian guy he would have gotten more leeway and now he's Russian and he's coming from with, with that pedigree and he's not in, not getting that leeway. Obviously I think he, you need to earn leeway anyway. So it's not that, but I think he, he really should get the chance to, to earn that. Um, is there anything in that, that you see as a weakness in his game? Well, I think, you know, there's some positional issues defensively. And I think that was part of the reason why he he didn't get the ice time that he, I, I would argue he did deserve the ice time, more ice time than he was getting, but some positional issues defensively, which again, I think is, has a lot to do with consistency of, of partners, right? If you're shifting him around constantly with partners, he's not, uh, he's not getting that consistency where he knows where he should be and when he should be there. He doesn't know when he should go, when he should hang back, 
right? If you give him consistent partners, consistent ice time, he's going to, he's going to grow into that. I think um, th- those positional issues are something that you can coach around, right? I, I always say, you know, somebody who has a little bit of problem with their positioning, but has other skills that are very valuable. That's somebody that you want on your team because you can coach those positional issues. No problem. The, the physical just, attributes, you know, his skating ability, his yeah. hitting ability, his shooting ability. Those are things that are a lot harder to coach. You, you kind of either have them or you don't. And developing those physical tools is something that you have to do on your own because nobody can, you know, bring you in the gym and physically make you work out and make you that strong and make you that good of a skater. But you can bring them out on the ice and you can show them where to be. Uh, and giving them, giving him a consistent partner would be a huge step towards avoiding some of those positional issues. Because in yeah. terms of, you know, sheer physicality and, and abilities and skating, he's an NHL defenseman, no problem. It's just those positional issues that I think held him out a little bit. Yeah, it's, 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 it's as you say, and, and we haven't, I mean, like, we've got to mention his skating because that is fantastic. Uh, sometimes you wonder oh, yeah. if, if he's trained by the whole Russian figure skating school because the edge work that he has is, is completely off the charts. Um, I've seen moves in, on, on the bigger surface in KHL that just looks insane when, when he turns and twists and, and more or less on a dime and comes out yeah. with speed that you don't expect him to. And that is something that's going to benefit him as well. And, and you mentioned it, you can teach positions, but you, in order to get that edge work, you have to start so early. So you can't coach that to someone in their 20s. No, you can't. And I think that's like I talked about before, his his ability to meet people at the blue line, it has a lot to do with that skating, right? It has a lot to do with his ability to pivot uh, with his edge work, especially when he's skating backwards, that he his gap control is, you know, he doesn't need to have perfect gap control to get you, right? He just needs to have decent gap control and his gap control is quite good. I mean, he definitely, uh, especially for somebody coming from big ice down to small ice, I was, I was struck by his gap control and you, you notice pretty quickly that it has a lot to do with his skating, right? Because he can have a little bit of a bigger, he can give you a bit of a bigger cushion, but then he can take that cushion away in two seconds. And, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're left wondering what happened because you're sitting on your butt uh, at the blue line and he just puts you down right? His skating is, is, is otherworldly. That's why, you know, that, uh, those positional issues, I'm not super concerned about them because again, you know, you can coach to that. And, uh, when you can skate the way that he does, uh, that's something that you can work with. I, I, I honestly wonder if, you know, the best bet might be to stick him with David Savard and then just keep that entire season of that, because this would let him do a little bit more of that skating. Um, and it would, it would give him a steady partner. That's more of a stay at home guy. And I, I think, I think the consistency would be the number one thing though, is just letting him have that opportunity to, you know, really learn where he's supposed to be and, and, and know that he's got uh, consistency on the other side of where they're going to be. Indeed. Uh, one thing that, that not many uh, ca- Canadian media has picked up and, and what is, might not be as obvious for, for others is something that um, the Tsarina, Jillian Kemmerer, pointed out in one of her interviews with a former teammate or a national teammate, I should say, uh, Vasily Podzolkin, who mentioned Romanov's leadership as something to aspire to. And I think this is also something that we have seen in, in different ways uh, Mark Bergevin add on into to the team. It's the character, it's that, it's this, but it's also the leadership. There are quite a few leaders on, on the Montreal Canadiens nowadays. There are. I mean, losing uh, Shea Weber is obviously a big 
hit to their leadership group. I mean, everybody kind of looks to him as, you know, almost some of the younger players would even look to him like a father figure, right? This guy been around the league forever, has a huge pedigree in terms of leadership. Uh, and now you see with him, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we assume that he is not going to be playing this year, um, which seems to be the case and seems like it may be the case permanently. Now they kind of have to look to, to the in, to the overall group to see who's going to be leaders. And I think Romanov stands out as, as a guy that could significantly take a place there. I really liked, especially, and I think this would help him in terms of how his teammates are going to view him, his attitude throughout the playoffs when he didn't really get to play. When he finally got to play, you saw him go out for the warmups with like a giant smile on his face. He was like a kid in a candy store. He was so happy to get out there and play. And, you know, that attitude of, you know, I could get, uh, kind of benched and have to ride the press box for a little while. But as soon as I get out there, I'm just stoked to play and I'm flying around the ice and I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to help my team win. That's going to definitely help you be, to be viewed favorably and viewed as a leader by your teammates. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's a position that, you know, within the leadership group of the Canadians, he could significantly take a spot considering that he has that attitude of, you know, he wants to do everything to win and he, he cares only about, you know, winning and winning with his teammates. So uh, you know, he could become like, uh, and I, I hate to give the most obvious comparison ever, but he could become like a future Andre Markov of this team. And we know how important he was to the Montreal Canadiens during his tenure. Uh, you know, that that kind of silent, strong leadership from the blue line that that everybody looks for. I think that it won't be that silent as soon as his English is getting <laughs> <Maybe> better. <not. laughs> I'm Matt Alexander and, and he's a great guy. He has a great smile. Uh, and seriously, I think when when... Uh, when he gets more comfortable speaking, we will all hear it because he, um, fr from what all I hear in, in, fr from other players around him as well, has said that he is one of those leaders. And they mentioned the same thing you point out, like when he has been benched in, in, in the KHL playoffs, he has been there at all the time anyway, uh, because he wants to win. And as long as he's part of, of that winning team, he's happy and he will do anything to better the team. And, and that is a coach's dream, really. And it's, I think mm. it's part also why Coach Cooper at the handshake line after the Stanley Cup final patted him on, on, on the chest and said, you're going to be a stud. And, and uh, I've heard it from, from different scouts. I've heard it from, from, from other people that um, if there was a redraft, Romano would not be around for, for Montreal's third pick of the draft. That, 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 that no. I think for sure uh, he would go. I've heard as high as top three. I'm not sure about that, but he would definitely go top 10. Yeah, I don't know about top three, but yeah, if you know for a fact, if, if they redrafted that year, he's, he's going in the first round for sure. And he's going in the top half of the first round. No problem. I mean, we know just from rumors alone, Right, that a lot of teams, whenever they're having a conversation with the Montreal Canadiens about possible trades, that Romanov's name comes up. Right, other teams are trying, like on an active basis, to convince Montreal to hand him over, and they're not doing it. And there's a reason they're not doing it is because the you know the, the sheer potential of somebody with his tools, uh, it's it's something that you don't want to give up on. You want to give him the time. And I, I hate to keep saying it over and over again, but consistency, man. If they can give him a consistent partner this year and just let him develop around that. I think it'll make a world of difference. And I think we could see a breakout year from him. You listen to Matt Drake or, or Drake MT on, on Twitter. Uh, make sure to follow him. 
His insights are great. I mean, he's been on TV in Montreal during the playoffs. So obviously he's the star. I'm just here to facilitate his thoughts. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the top 25 and 25 because we all do.